Welcome back to The Common Christian Diet. I'm Paige, and this is episode number 10. Special thanks to Debbie Forrest for her song called Born Bad. This episode is called Time for Exercise, and we'll be talking about getting real results. We all know exercise is good for us, but will all forms of exercise give us the same results? If I want to lose 10 pounds, do I need to join a gym, or should I just start walking my dog every evening? And what about if I need to lose 50 or 100 pounds? Is it still the same answer? Exercise means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It's everything from walking, biking, and lifting weights to racquetball, rock climbing, and extreme sports. World-class athletes may all train nearly every day of the week, but a long-distance runner is not going to be doing the same workout routine as an NFL lineman. While one athlete may be focused on endurance, another on speed and agility, and another on building strength and mass, one thing that is the same across all elite athletes is that they don't just exercise. They have customized workout programs focused on getting results. I fell in love with working out shortly after college when I was young and had all this energy. I joined a gym, took a variety of fitness classes, lifted weights, and studied Muay Thai kickboxing. It was normal for me to work out at least two hours a day, six to seven days per week. And since I was spending all this time working out, I also wanted to eat right, so I started reading about nutrition and how the body processes food, and I got really excited when I tried new recipes with things like soy protein. I even tracked my daily calories in a spreadsheet because no matter how hard I tried, I could not seem to lose that last little pinch of skin around my waist. By most people's standards, I was a fitness junkie. Friends, coworkers, even strangers started asking me for tips on losing weight or getting stronger. But when the day came that I decided I wanted real results, I had to be honest with myself about a few things. Although I knew a lot about diet and exercise, I had to recognize my limits. I was healthy and I was strong, but I was not an expert in exercise physiology or nutrition. I had taken my body as far as I knew how to take it on my own. If I wanted more, I needed a professional. You may be wondering why I was so interested in taking things to a new level. Well, I had entered myself into a before and after contest. Real results meant I was going to transform my body in eight weeks from a normal healthy person into a lean muscle machine. Before I could even start this contest, I had to have a plan. Real results were not going to come from casual efforts. I had eight weeks to cut body fat and pack on lean muscle. My old exercise habits were fine for someone who just wanted to be healthy, but to win this contest, I couldn't just do a little bit more of the same things. I needed to learn something new. So I hired a personal trainer to create an eight-week diet and exercise routine and train me. Working with a trainer not only brought new ideas, new perspectives, and accountability, but a professional trainer is also really good at recognizing when your excuses are just a bunch of crapola. Sometimes, the real reason we don't get the results we want is because we put up a wall of excuses and stand behind them like the wall of China. Excuses like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not that type of person. Oh, I'm too busy. I don't have anything to wear. My hair's still wet. There's no one to watch my dog. My alarm didn't go off and I'm allergic to grass. But many of our excuses are really just pillow forts that need to get knocked down. I loved working out and I was willing to try just about any new exercise they could come up with, except one. I avoided running. I heard myself tell people over and over again that I am just not a runner. 
Now, I'm not sure I had actually done any real running since high school, but I made all sorts of excuses for not trying it like, I'm just not built for it. I'm too short. I'm too slow. I just like all my other workouts better, and I'm just not good at it. While it was true that I wasn't very good at running, it had very little to do with my short, stumpy legs and a lot to do with the fact that I just didn't want to try it. But the worst part was, in those first few years after college, I said the words, I am not a runner, so many times that I actually believed myself. But one person who did not believe me was my trainer. As much as I loved hopping on the elliptical, I was going to have to give it up for the next eight weeks and hit the trail. My training plan was customized to get results, and the types of exercises I did actually mattered. On my own, I would float around the weight room and do a little of this and a little of that. With a daily training plan, I had a specific workout complete with how much weight to lift and how many reps to do. I worked certain muscles on certain days. I had heavy days and light days and some days that made me so sore I struggled getting out of bed in the morning. As the weeks went on, the training got harder and we focused more and more on my trouble areas. If I wasn't getting the results I needed, the plan was modified. Maybe the weights were increased. Maybe my diet was tweaked. Maybe I needed to do more reps or... Maybe I needed to run a few more miles. The contest was a commitment. If I wanted results, I was in this thing for eight weeks. No days off, no excuses, no backtalking my trainer. I had to learn different exercises that I had never done before and work muscles I had never flexed before. My diet was different, my water intake increased, and I had to give up a few things I didn't even realize were bad for me. I worked out twice a day, ate pre-measured meals, and went to bed sore and hungry. There were times I wanted to quit. But as my trainer increased the weights, I got stronger. As my meals got smaller, so did my waistline. As I found the strength to wake up at 4.30 a.m. for the morning run, I gained both mental toughness and endurance. When the results became obvious in my reflection, I realized just how much was possible if I followed instructions and put in the effort with no excuses. At the end of eight weeks, I lost 16 pounds and increased muscle mass in my legs and upper body. My body fat percentage dropped near single digits and that last little pinch around my stomach was finally gone. When I started that contest on day one, I was already a healthy person who enjoyed eating right and exercising. But when I compared the pictures from day one to day 56, the results were undeniable. With the help of a trainer, I had the ability to go much farther than I could have gone on my own. And, in case you're wondering, yes, I did win that contest. Now I realize not everyone has the desire to enter a before and after contest like I did. But the idea of having to do something different in order to get results can also be applied to our prayer lives. Lots of people pray. But just like exercise, prayer means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Prayer means everything from blessing a meal, thanking God for the sunshine and getting on your knees before bed, to fasting, repentance, and crying out to God for a miracle. I had been praying my whole life, but I never understood the real transformational power of prayer until a few years ago. Before that, my prayer life was just talking to God about my problems. And talking to God is great, and I still do that almost every day. But to put it in exercise terms, it was like I was taking the dog for a walk, expecting to return home with bulging biceps. Walking is great and has a lot of benefits, but it doesn't build muscle mass. And a few years ago, I learned that my conversations with God were great, but I needed to add in some new prayer exercises to develop some spiritual strength. 
Part of the reason it took me so long to learn new exercises was due to my poor understanding of God and the entire purpose of prayer. Through most of my life, I viewed God as my helper, and prayer was my way of summoning Him to help me. Growing up, I prayed like a child. I wanted what I wanted, and I wanted my Father in Heaven to give it to me. I prayed when there was a major test coming up, when I wanted to get invited to that party, or when I was begging not to get in trouble for something ridiculous that I had done. After college, I started praying for more mature things, like mortgages, career paths, and parenting. But I still prayed like I did when I was a little kid. I was focused only on myself and how God could make my life easier. But if I wanted my prayer life to lead to transformational results, I needed to learn three important lessons about God and the purpose of prayer. The first lesson was I needed to stop asking God to be my helper and invite him to be my trainer. There's a tremendous difference between asking someone for help and inviting them to be in charge of your life. For example, if I'm working out at the gym, I might need a spotter at times. Say I'm trying to do a heavy lift and there's a chance my muscles might be too tired or the weight is too heavy. The spotter will be with me during the lift and help me if I need it. But when the heavy lift is over, the spotter walks away and goes to finish their own workout and I'm on my own again. But a trainer is very different. A trainer is with me throughout my entire workout and not just with me. My trainer designs it, chooses my weights, tells me how many reps to do and pushes me so I get stronger. A trainer is fully invested in my progress and will even help with areas outside the gym like nutrition, supplements, and sleep patterns. I already told the story of how I first invited God to be in charge of my life when I was in my 30s. I was a Sunday checkmark Christian who basically sat in church one day a week and then lived however I wanted the other six days. If you're not familiar with the story, then feel free to go back and listen to this podcast from the beginning so you can get a sense of my prodigal years. I always believed in God and prayed to Him, but it wasn't until my life spun out of control when I found myself on the floor of my closet crying out to the Lord to please take control. Now, I didn't know it at the time. All I knew in that moment was that my way of living wasn't working and there had to be something better. But in that moment, I made a true, heartfelt invitation to the Lord to come be my trainer. And He did. I've shared stories of how he led me to a new church, encouraged me to read my Bible, led me to study groups, gave me new friends, and eventually a husband. Through the process, I was able to see God's hand on my life as he fit the pieces back together. He took me from a broken single mother to be a newlywed with a new job and thriving family. I was amazed at how easy it was for God to fix my life, and I was very grateful. God is an amazing trainer. Life with my new last name was great. So great that it actually led to lesson two, which is, I never stop needing God to be my trainer. I didn't do it intentionally, but as I settled into my new life, I gradually stopped asking God for his opinion on things. I thanked God a lot for the good things I was enjoying, but where I used to spend time crying out to the Lord for help and asking his advice, now I was just counting my blessings and going to sleep. It was almost like I said, thanks for all the help, God, but I got it from here and I slipped right back into the I'll call you when I need you prayer style. I had demoted God back to helper. One of the most important roles of a trainer is their assessment of your progress towards the goal. When I hired my trainer for the contest, I knew I had to be very honest and vulnerable with them. 
Not only did I have to disclose all my eating habits and workout routines, but I also had to let this person constantly weigh me, take weekly measurements of my arms, waist, hips, and thighs, and even grab bits of fat all over my body to measure with calipers and record in a little chart. No one before or since has ever been allowed to grab my back fat. But I knew if I wanted to achieve results, I had to let my trainer assess every inch of me. If I wanted to be successful, I also had to let my trainer tell me what to do. I didn't always understand every detail. I didn't know the purpose of every exercise, but I trusted them as the expert and followed the advice. As I let my trainer push me to lift more, run farther, and even go to bed hungry, it didn't take very long before I started seeing results. Then with a little success, I was even more motivated because I could see the plan working and I knew I was going to meet the goal. But after the contest was over, I no longer had a need for a trainer. I put myself back in charge and I went right back to the old me. Something similar happened in my prayer life. When I was single, the goal of my prayer was to find a husband. I prayed for years for God to grant me Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. But once the goal was met, I stopped praying about marriage altogether. I wasn't praying for God to help me be a good wife. I wasn't praying for God to guide my husband as the spiritual leader of our home. I wasn't praying for us to communicate respectfully with each other, to manage our finances well, or to be good role models for our children. I had a ring on my finger, an extra source of income, and a place to warm my cold feet at night, so I checked that MRS box and focused my prayers elsewhere. But I've learned that even in the good times, I need to invite God into all areas of my life for regular assessments. He sees things I can't and takes spiritual measurements on things like behaviors, attitudes, priorities, and desires. So after a few years without praying to God as my trainer, things started to get out of shape. About the fourth year of marriage, we hit a rough spot. But not just a rough spot, more of a valley that we weren't sure we'd get out of. I was losing him. I felt like any day he was going to start packing his bags to move out. And I'd find out later that he actually was searching for apartments and was planning to leave. So naturally, I started praying and crying out to God to take control again. Lord, please fix this situation. Lord, please don't let him leave. Lord, please change this. Change that. And I prayed for God to change everything except me. A trusted friend opened my eyes to how I was praying when she said, You know... You can't pray for your husband to change for your own convenience. I was shocked. She knew how bad things were for me at home, how I was crying my eyes out and how lonely I was. How could she take his side? But as we talked over many months, she taught me a lot about prayer, and I learned lesson three. The third lesson is about developing spiritual muscle. My prayer life had been the equivalent of going for a walk or maybe a light jog, but it was time to learn new exercises that would build strength. And similar to how proper nutrition goes hand in hand with exercise, I needed the word of God to go along with my prayers for a brand new workout routine. I needed a better understanding of who I was praying to. I learned to read the Bible with a focus on the character of God and who he is. He is the God who rescued his people from Egypt, who parted the seas and helped a boy take down a giant. He's the God who gave the Ten Commandments, led his people into the Promised Land, and forgave them over and over again when they turned away to worship idols. He's the God who spoke through the prophets, made water flow from a rock, and the God who never gave up on his people. He's the God who sent his son Jesus to die to redeem us all from our sins and give us eternal life. He is good, loving, powerful, kind, and forgiving. 
He is our healer, our provider, our deliverer, and his arm is never too short to save. And the word reminds me that he is all these things regardless of my circumstances. Yes, he is my helper, but he is also my creator, my father, my Lord, and my savior. When I focus on myself, I tend to just pray by lifting my needs to him. But when I focus on God, I want to praise and worship him. My prayers began to shift from, Lord, please fix my marriage, to Lord, you are mighty and powerful and good. Your word says you are faithful. I don't understand what is going on around me, and I don't know if you plan to heal my marriage, but I know you didn't bring me this far to abandon me. You have a plan for me, and I trust you. I also needed a better understanding of what I had been praying about. My prayers were for comfort, an easy life, and a happy marriage. I was praying for God to change circumstances and behaviors and to make my husband love me again. But as I constantly focused on the problems around me, I wasn't praying to God as my trainer to assess me or to change me. I needed to invite God to take my spiritual measurements and show me what I needed to work on. I had been crying out to God for light weights and easy exercises, but he wanted to use this situation to help me build spiritual muscle. I needed to trust God as the expert, as the one who sees me better than I see myself, as the one who knows how to get real results. The only person in my marriage I had control over was me. If I wanted to pray for God to heal my marriage, I needed to let him start with me. It was easy to pray for God to fix everything that was wrong with my husband, but the harder exercise was to ask God to focus on me and show me where I needed work. Did I need to be more patient, more loving, less judgmental, or have more empathy? I needed to be vulnerable before God as my trainer and allow him to assess every inch of me. Then I needed to follow his instructions without any excuses, even when the workouts were hard. I was not going to get real results with casual efforts. While I desperately wanted my marriage to be healed, I stopped praying for God to just heal my marriage, and I started to pray for God to heal me and transform me into a better version of myself. Over time, my cries to God changed from, God, please fix my husband, to God, please help me love my husband no matter how he feels about me. Help me forgive him quickly, treat him with respect, and give him the support he needs. Lord, if I can't make him stay, help me do my best not to push him away. Lord, if he does leave, I know you will still be here. Over the next several months, I practiced my new exercises. I was praising God for who he is no matter how bad things were, and I prayed for God to transform me into the woman he wanted me to be. And I began to see my spiritual muscles taking shape. I was getting stronger. As I started seeing results, I began to trust God even more. He is always good even when life hurts, and his plans are always good even when they don't match mine. I began to realize that even if God allowed my marriage to fail, he would never abandon me. He was my trainer for life, and he was with me for the long haul. I never wanted a divorce, but with my eyes focused on God, I eventually found the strength to kneel beside my bed and calmly say the words, Lord, I surrender my marriage to you. Do with it as you wish. And he did. It was like God was just waiting on my full and total surrender. My goal had been for God to fix my marriage, but God had an interim goal for me. When I surrendered my marriage, I wasn't giving up on my husband. I was just handing all the control to God and trusting him with it. 
I didn't know if he would heal our marriage or if my husband would pack his bags, but I knew God would be with me either way. As I let myself be vulnerable before God, he was able to tear down all my excuses, teach me new exercises, help me set new goals, and build spiritual muscle. He knew what was best for me all along, and he showed me how to trust him. And as a divine bonus, he did heal our marriage. He did miraculous work in both me and my husband, and we are about to celebrate our ninth anniversary. Talking with God is a beautiful thing, and it's a big piece of my prayer life. But God showed me how to customize my prayers to get real results. Today, my prayer life is completely transformed, and I continue to learn new exercises like meditating on God's Word, reading Scripture back to Him, and fasting. And I gotta tell you, learning to fast was a whole lot like learning to run. I made a hundred excuses before I finally caved and said, Okay, God, I'll give it a try. I invite God to take regular spiritual measurements in my life and show me where I'm getting out of shape. Where am I being prideful? Where am I self-seeking? When am I not trusting God or not loving my neighbors? God is always working with me to customize my workouts to get the real results I need. God is an amazing trainer, and the exercises, though sometimes difficult, are always worth it. Thanks for listening. I'm Paige, and this is The Common Christian Diet. Every day.